Hello and welcome. It's a fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And wherever you listen to your podcast, I had a hard time trying. It was like, hold on, I got to turn my mic on here. Wait, where's my microphone? Yeah, it's beside you, idiot. I felt, you know what, Donovan? I felt like a little scrambly like you do sometimes when you come in. I do. Not as <laughs> scrambly You were as, good today. Uh, Wink Martindale, after he found out his assistants were let go, and he said, you know what, guess what? I'm let go too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I'm not fired because I quit. You can't fire me. I quit. That's probably how Wink Martindale talks to. Um, he wasn't the... He wasn't the only one. Uh, and we'll be joined by Adam Rankin in just a second here. Um, he wasn't the only one to curse out their boss, uh, reportedly, leave and immediately get on a flight? It's a pretty good, like, if you're going to go full Desperado, then go full Desperado at that point. Like, oh, I'm going to leave and I'm going to take everyone down with me. Uh, Joe Rexroad from the uh, Robbie and Rexroad on 102.5 The Game in Nashville and senior writer and columnist for The Athletic in Nashville will join us in the second block. Uh, the big news yesterday... Mike Vrabel out. He gone. In Tennessee. Um, owner. Well done, Lance. Um, owner Amy Adams Strunk says, nah, I think we need a change here. This is also the same owner who said, you know what? We're going to keep Derrick Henry around and not get any draft capital for him. And as a Bills fan, I thank them very much for not doing that because Derrick Henry ran all over the Jacksonville Jaguars to solidify a playoff spot before the Sunday nighter for Buffalo. However, from a football business perspective, stupid. Very, very dumb. Doesn't feel like they're going to team up somewhere else. Jeez, maybe. Dan Rossini had the quotes in uh, an athletic article from Derrick Henry basically saying how surprised he was that Vrabel was gone. And how much of a mistake he thought it was. Well, let's get, let's get Adam Rank's take on this. Cause I'm curious to see like how Mike Vrabel changes the landscape of the coaching hiring cycle this time around. Adam Rank from the NFL network and the sick podcast with Adam Rank joins us. Uh, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. And uh, how are yourselves? Uh, we're good. I mean, lots of news. So there's plenty to talk about with, you know, when we don't have to talk about all the games coming this weekend, and we will get to those a little bit later on, but what was your initial reaction to the Mike Vrabel firing yesterday? Cause that's what it is. He got fired. Um, yeah, it was because I, I mean, I'm curious to see like how Mike Vrabel, like do teams, are there some teams that may look at it and go, you know what? We like our coach, but we like Mike Vrabel a little bit better. Or is like, is he at the top of the list for a bunch of these teams now? Yeah, you know, he might be a more obtainable version of Jim Harbaugh. Now, obviously, Jim Harbaugh would be the one that everybody would would love to have. He's he's done it everywhere that he's been, from the University of San Diego up through Michigan and, of course, with his stop in the NFL. But the thing is, is Rabel is there. You know he's an NFL coach. He's ready to get back into the game. You don't, like, he's just available. And I think for a lot of teams, and to me, I was going to say San Diego, but Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers make a lot of sense. And I know that everybody is like, well, you know, we need an offense. We need an offensive minded coach, which, which is fine. But look at some of the coaches who have excelled this season, you know, when or even just historically. And, and just thinking about D'Amico Ryan's, like the blueprint of like having somebody like Mike Vrabel who comes in and gives you instant credibility and stability. And then you bring in an offensive mastermind to come in and kind of direct that team. So if I'm if I'm one of these teams, 
obviously looking for a head coach. Mike Vrabel, if he's not at the top of the list, there's not many guys who would be. So I, I think this is a, a, a tremendous hire. And I also just want to – I don't understand – the whole notion of Tennessee being like, yeah, we could have traded them, but like, now nah, we're, we're too lazy. Like we're, we're not going to do it. Like you don't want to take the time. Like if you have something like, Hey, are you going to uh, return this thing to the store? Like, no, nah, I'm just going to toss it. You're like, what? Like, you don't want it. You don't want to go to like, I know the, the Amazon at the whole foods by my house. It usually has a long line, but I still return it to Amazon. I go through it. I get the value back for it. They're just like, nah, we're just tossing it. And it was a very puzzling situation. I'm not going to lie. I am that person. I can relate. I'm the person who would rather just donate than throw it up on Facebook Marketplace and have a weird stranger either give me cash or an email exchange. You should try selling a car on Facebook Marketplace. That's an interesting scene. I've done that. Didn't, I just bought a car on there. Yeah. Didn't it, they create Auto Trader? For that very, uh, that's reason? that's way too much work, Donovan. Okay. Anyway, sorry, right. sorry to interrupt. Continue. Well, I mean, I didn't really uh, have a question. I was just derailing our conversation. I kind of <laughs> do. That. I'm like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers of my own show. <laughs> my question is, though, if if you, you let's not make it hypothetical. Let's ask you. Let's say Bill Belichick is in that conversation right now. Yeah. And Harbaugh, and Mike Vrabel. If you're uh, owner and you got a draft board of who you want to bring in to give a facelift to your franchise. Who's at the top of your list? Jim Harbaugh. That is, that is my guy. And he, I just, I've always been a Jim Harbaugh fan going back to his playing days. Now, obviously for those of you who are unaware, I'm a fan of the Chicago bears. So I, I was a fan of his when he was a quarterback of the Bears, when he was getting chewed out by Mike Dicka. <laughs> uh, if you ever saw me play football in high school, when I have a helmet on, I look just like Jim Harbaugh. And so uh, that, I don't know, that uh, I didn't wear number four because I didn't want to cause any confusion. But I've always been a fan of his. Even when he went to, and when he went to Indianapolis, it actually kind of killed me. Like I, that, what was it, 95, where they almost beat the Steelers in three reverse stadium on what uh, looked like a desperation heave at the end of the game because the Colts made a run through the playoffs. He replaced Craig Erickson that season, uh, had a run through the playoffs. So I've always been a, a huge admirer of his going back. And, and again, when he started off, he was a, an offensive assistant for, I want to say it was the Raiders. Like yep. he was, he was the, uh, he was the tape guy. Like when you ever see quality control guy is uh, you're just running tapes here and there. Uh, that's what he did for that franchise. So, you know, tried to come up the correct way. I'm surprised he never got a shot with the Raiders, but you know, then he goes down to USD Stanford, you know, we can go through his resume. You, you know, it. I think that he, he's got it. Like he just knows what he's doing. And I think that, you know, with Belichick, you can have that question about like, you know, how long is this going to be for Belichick? And is he going to come in and be like, well, and then in a couple of years, Josh McDaniels is going to take over. Like, I don't want one of those type of situations, but it's Harbaugh for me. And then actually I do still kind of like Belichick, you know, and yeah, I still, I still think that's a really good opportunity. If he, again, going back to the, the charger situation, like if Belichick came out to Los Angeles, like that would be amazing. Like the end Almost to the point of like the NFL should force that. Like, you know what? You got to go to LA and then we'll put Vrabel in New England. And so we can just continue the continuity that way. But you put Belichick with one of these coaching hires that has the quarterback already established and one who's pretty good. That's a pretty good combination. We've seen, 
defensive coaches with, you know, with great quarterbacks win. It's Belichick is the example, but yeah. So I would, I would go, I would do it that way. So I think Vrabel would be right there at three. Now I'm going to reverse the question. If you look at the openings, whether it's roster, organization, city, owner, how would you rank them in terms of the appeal to a coach? Well, I think when you're looking at the roster openings, I can't, I would say Chicago's number one, but it's not open yet. I know Luke Getze was just fired a moment ago, but when I'm looking through it, I don't like, it depends on how much time you are given with the commanders because we don't, there's such a wild card. We have no idea what this is all about. And so I know that magic magic Johnson's involved and magic Johnson's involved with the Dodgers who's become one of the better organizations in sports uh, with what they've been able to do. And so I look at the commanders. I'm like, do they have that ability to do that? Because that commander's fan base is so, it's so good. Like, remember, like, I, I, I don't know how old you guys are. You might not remember this, but the, the commanders used to previously would have these, Every time that there was a game, it be at RFK or when they moved. Actually, it was back when mostly during their RFK days, and they were always like, "Oh, there's a waiting list to be a pack or to to be a, a season ticket holder of this team." It's date, you know, you got to wait 87 years, whatever it was. Tremendous fan base, uh, you know, and just a football market, just just primed to just be ready. And so, if that situation is one where the owner, like we, again, like taking the risk on like, okay, I mean, you would go in They're Probably you could probably draft a quarterback this year, uh, especially if the bears are going to stick with Justin Fields. Maybe you can move up to number one, you know, um, Caleb Williams is from that area. So for me, you know, with a lot of the factors going in, I love the idea of the commanders. I just, there, there's a lot of unknown and it's a, it's a definite leap of faith because we don't know what is uh, what this ownership group is going to be like, but I think that it would be worth the gamble for me. Like I would really love that interrupt kind of restore that franchise. I would actually ask him if we could change the name again. I'm like, can we do one more name change? Like I like the uniforms a little bit, but like commanders just hasn't done it for me, but I will say somebody can I, I listen, somebody put this out there. This isn't mine. I'm stealing. I'm, I wish I knew who it was. It was some kid on TikTok. So I apologize for stealing this. And uh, if somebody out there will be like, oh, I saw that. That's that's Big Dave, the TikTok superstar, whoever he is. <laughs> he was talking about the Panthers job. He's like, this is the best job there is. I'm like, this is this is going to be dumb, but I want to see where this is going because it's going to take an M. Night Shyamalan turn at some point. And he's like, yeah, you go out there and you coach. You're going to get 70 mil. You're probably going to get fired after a year. And you're going to make 70 mil to not work for five years. And then nobody looks at you and says like, this guy can't coach or like Tepper's terrible. And you're like, Oh, that's a good point. That that's a guy after my, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't think of that first, but uh, yeah, that's an interesting one too. Like, yeah, like do it. Yeah. Get me fired for that. I'll just take the, the buyout after a year and a half. That'd be amazing. Uh, don't ever forget talent borrows genius steals. Okay. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Luke Getze uh, got fired only just a few moments ago. Um, does that tell us about the future of Justin Fields in Chicago or not? Or is it just the offense wasn't great, not consistent enough, and that's why Luke Getze is out of a job? Or is it Justin Fields is the guy and the guy that we're looking to bring in 
is going to work with Justin Fields. That's why Luke Getzey's not here. Do you read anything into that? Absolutely not. I'm I'm prepared for this organization to do what it's always done is to I want to keep Justin Fields. I I want to make this clear. So this is not an anti-Justin message by any chance. What I would do is I would keep Justin Fields. Of, of the three, Justin Fields would be at the top of my list. But I fear, like, Getsy's out, and that's kind of expe- – that was an automatic. Fields probably – they're probably going to – I don't know. Every time I talk to – like, the fans love Justin Fields. But anytime I talk to people who work in a front office, have worked in the front office, the, the men and women always say, like, nope, they're going to – you got to go. You got to reset the quarterback clock. Like, it's just such a talking point, like – it's it's numb on me now. Like, yeah, like reset the quarterback. Like, like fine. But it's a real problem with this organization in that they will draft. They'll have a coach who's sort of a lame duck. They did it with John Fox. They did it with Matt Nagy. Guy like, yeah, you got about one more year to prove yourself, but we're going to give you a rookie quarterback to make it worse. And you kind of just restart this cycle. And, you know, Getsy. Getsy's the first one there. So you're like, okay, see you later. You know, you let him go. And then Eberflus walks in. You know, Eberflus has got to be the grand finale. So if they, I, I would just love to see them say, look, there are other quarterbacks who will be available next year. Was it the number one overall pick? Sure. But just go through, you have to know what you're doing with Justin Fields by this point. So I just want the coach and the quarterback to be on the same clock, so to speak, like have them line up, have them mesh. The bears are not going to do that. I've just, I don't know if I've just become too jaded over the years, but I just still feel like they're going to mess this up. And um, we're going to get a coach who has one year to prove himself with a rookie quarterback. And uh, the history of the Bears shows that that never works. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I thought about this, idea and that is they had the first overall pick last year traded it and is there a pressure amongst whomever in the maybe it's in the front office maybe it's ownership like okay we have the first overall pick again and we can get a quarterback again and my logic has always been I would trade the first overall pick for a bounty and use those pieces around Justin Fields but there have been some people that have suggested that you can't pass up on a quarterback with the first overall pick. Again, you have to use it. Where do you fall into that category? And by some people, he means me. (laughs) No. Other people have said it too, but yeah. (laughs) No, I understand the science behind it. Like, I understand what people are saying. That when they they say things like that, when they're like, um, again, it's it's a big brain type thing of like, yeah, like this is, I understand wanting to go, reset the quarterback clock and everything like that. But at the same time, if your quarterback's pretty good and I think he's pretty good and I trust a lot of the people who break down tape, guys like Chase Daniel spend a lot of time looking at quarterbacks saying the best thing to do is just surround him with a lot of pieces. If you look at what the the Packers did on Sunday, they were taking away his running lanes and were kind of, you know, content to let Justin Fields throw the football. And so at that point, you need to make the adjustment yourself of like, okay, we not we might need to go and, and protect our quarterback. The Bears were playing with a backup center. The guards had or Tevin had Tevin Jenkins had been playing well, but he didn't play well in this particular game. 
You go out there, you 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 move down the draft board. I, I this is why I would trade the number one overall pick. You're think of the the draft haul you got for Bryce Young last year is going to be significantly improved upon this season because and it of, was pretty good to begin with, and it was pretty gosh darn great. And uh, again, I look at a team like the Commanders, and you're like, okay, let's do this, Commanders. Let's see, like if you, I forget where the Commanders are top ten, and so it doesn't. I, the number doesn't matter, but the commanders are up there. God, they might be three, um, but you can get somebody, especially the, the I wish I, I need to know this better. We're still early. I'm still in playoff mode, but I think the commanders are what three. Is it new England two? the commanders three and no new commanders, two, commanders, two, new England, three, Arizona, four chargers, five giants, six, Tennessee, seven. The, the the tricky part with the commanders is like, how much can you smoke them into thinking New England's going to trade up for Caleb Williams? Because if I'm the commanders, they have to, it has to be Caleb Williams for them. Like they have to have the number one pick. So if you're the Bears already, you can go in there and be like, you know what? Washington really wants him. It's the hometown kid. You're trying to re-energize this fan base that used to be one of the best in the NFL, if not the best. Like, get them to jump, and then maybe, you know, get the Giants to jump again. Like, are there are there multiple drop-downs? And so, for me, um, I'm moving down as much as possible. And I know a lot of the fan base has fallen in love with Marvin Harrison Jr. But at the same time, it's, you know what? Like, you, you got to get multiple pieces. Like, you got to understand that these picks are so valuable. And you can get such a talented roster that it's going to work. And so you got to, you got to rebuild the, the interior of the offensive line. You need at least one more high profile wide receiver. And maybe too, like if you're making a deal with Washington, you're like, okay, well then you got to give us Terry McLaurin uh, as part of this deal. Similar to what happened with DJ Moore last season. Uh, The giants don't have anyone. The the ideal one would be like uh, the Devontae Adams is probably too old for this, but like still, and there's still free agency too. So the bears can still go out there and add T Higgins and Mike Evans. But for me, trade down, trade down and get as many picks as possible, rebuild the solid team. And then next year, when it comes up to, uh, cause you can just declare now that you're going to give Justin Fields his fifth year option. Uh, you still got Justin Fields on his rookie contract for one more season. You have the fifth year option. You can franchise him. Like you've got a lot of mobility. You don't, Everybody acts like you have to pay him fifty million this seat. You don't. You really don't. So you can just let that go. And so for me, I'm building a team and I'm building a franchise. And if it doesn't work out, and if we're like, ooh, we did make a mistake with Justin Fields, draft a quarterback next year. See, I think the thing for me, Rank, is you have to know if you want to give him fifty million by now. By year three, we know if you're real or not. We. He has a career 40 passing TDs and 30 INTs. He's lost more games than he's won. In year three, we knew Patrick Mahomes was real. We knew Joe Burrow was real. We knew, name the game-changing quarterback, Andrew Luck. We all knew by year three. We have to squint and kind of figure, ah, you might be in the right system. Your coordinator didn't use you properly. You had no O-line. Then, like, you, you might want to reset the clock and try again because the thing with fields is he's not just compared to his class lawrence and lance and mac jones which quite frankly looks pretty good in comparison he's compared to last class because they didn't move and so that's bryce young and cj stroud anthony richardson and if they don't pick a quarterback he's going to be forever compared to the qbs in this class 
I, I think it's better for everyone if they move on. But but you brought up a name in terms of who would be on top of your board, Jim Harbaugh. And, and I found it odd. We got him in as a Raider. We got him as a Charger. Why would the Chicago Bears, franchise he knows and loves, who mm-hmm. has never, ever not had a great quarterback at any level, not say, we're bringing Jim Harbaugh back. And he'll figure out the quarterback situation because we trust him. And then finally, the franchise who, outside of maybe the Browns, has had the worst track record at the sport's most important position, would finally have a way to get it right. It, it, it is, am I missing something here? No, you're not. By the way, I would throw the Jets in there, too, have also been uh, a troubled franchise in finding a quarterback. We saw Jay Cutler. I mean, they, have, it's not- they had Namath, Pennington, and Testaverde. That was years ago. That's we had uh, Jim McMahon, Jay Cutler. We're good. Okay, that's that's about the. We had. Listen, look at the Bears. The three best Bears quarterbacks in my lifetime have been Jim McMahon, Jay Cutler, and Walter Payton on the halfback option. <laughs> it is. I was I was waiting for a Rex Grossman. Yeah, honestly, he brought no, you to the Super no, Bowl. No. No, there's also some Eric Kramer people out there too. I don't mean to besmirch him, but I think the punchline's funnier. It's the rule of three with comedy. Um, yeah, I, again, like I understand, I understand both sides of this. This is why I get up. I I don't get upset, but I get disappointed when bears fans are just going after each other. Like whether like you, you're a, like Justin should stay person or a Justin should leave person. I would say that everybody is of the mind that Justin Fields is a nice, is a good leader. We like him. We want him to succeed. And I think the Bears fans, and it's gotten too vitriolic, is it's so polarizing of this whole debate of like, keep them or not. And there's merit on both sides of this. Like, this is one of the most interesting quarterback decisions of all time. And so for me, it is, I, I'd prefer to keep the quarterback. I'm reminded of a thing uh, because one of my colleagues at work used to play for the then San Diego Chargers, and uh, he was a running back for them. And his quarterback, he was drafted in the first round. And in the second round, they drafted Drew Brees. And they went with Drew Brees for three seasons. And then the year that Eli Manning came out, they drafted Eli Manning. And and then they flipped for Phillip Rivers. And I always asked him, or I've asked him on a couple, we've talked about this a couple of times. I'm like, you know, do you ever think about, like, in that draft, the Chargers were sitting there at number one. The Raiders took... uh, Robert Gallery at number two or whoever it was. But the third pick in that draft was Larry Fitzgerald. Do you ever imagine what it would have been like had it been Larry Fitzgerald that you drafted? So you'd be rolling with Drew Brees, my friend LaDainian Tomlinson, and Larry Fitzgerald. That seems like an unbeatable combination. And he just always gives me this. He's like, he's like, don't even talk about this, Adam. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. He's like, I like, you know, like it's, it's a very similar situation. And so I would rather just go out there and get, the, I, I would rather get the guy and uh, I would go about it that way. If you want to reset the quarterback clock and go for this generational, I, I don't think that you're a bad person for thinking so. And I understand it. It is like being on the golf course and somebody's like, I'm going to hit this three wood out of the rough. And I'm like, well, I would hit the three iron if you could, but whatever. But you want to walk into the golf shop and go buy a a brand new Cleveland three wood and then come back here and hit it. That's fine. I'm just going to sit here and use the bag that's in my club because I'm still, I'm still pretty good with it. So 
I understand the science. There's nothing wrong with what you're saying. And it is one of the most interesting debates here. And you know what? Thankfully, I have a Bears podcast, so I can sit here and talk about it for the next three months. My dispersonal opinion is that Justin Fields should be the guy and they build around him. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend, and, and we don't have time to go through all these games. I'm sure next oh week my gosh, we have plenty, plenty to react on. But um, I, I asked this question to Donovan yesterday, and I'm curious to get your take on it as well, because I went through the records of all the playoff teams and their records against fellow playoff teams. And so, I mean, Bills five and one, Dolphins one and five, Chiefs one and three, Ravens six and three, Browns four and three, Steelers five and three, Texans two and two, Niners five and three, Cowboys three and four, Eagles six and two, Bucks one and five, Packers and Lions three and three, Rams two and seven. Does that mean anything to you? Like, is it a meaningless stat or is it a number that it's just like, ah, it's nice to have that in your back pocket, but when the games come on, it doesn't really matter. Or as Donovan said yesterday, like you're battle tested because you had to beat good teams to get there. Yeah. I, I do like the, um, I do like the teams facing better teams and, and things of that nature. I also love the idea of like not have the, the teams that don't have to rest their starters. You know, I'm looking at the Browns and Texans matchup in this one. And I was, con- I was ready to pick the Browns. And I even told the Browns fans who were upset with me. I'm like, Oh, I'll be picking you guys in the playoffs. Don't worry. Thinking they were going to go on the road to Jacksonville to win, uh, to play a game. But uh, now it's Houston and Houston's been playing so well. And so I think that there's, there's something about being on a roll over the last couple of weeks. I think there's also something to like you, you're not resting your starters. I think Baltimore is in a a huge bind right now because they didn't play Lamar Jackson, who was not going to have played in two weeks. And they're likely going, unless Pittsburgh or Miami pulls an upset, and it would be so Baltimore for them to get Miami instead of having to get Cleveland or Houston. Two teams that I think could go to Baltimore and shock the world. Now, if Cleveland is able to fight through the rust, and stuff like that. Cause Cleveland's been on. So that's the one thing I was so troubling to see. Like you guys have been so hot. Like, can you just p- keep playing guys? Like don't lay down for Cincinnati, which is exactly what they did. Keep it going. Like keep the momentum going. And so we'll see. I, I got to go back and look at, you know, it's still early in the week. Well, it's not that early in the week, but like Stefanski, I don't know how Stefanski does coming out of bye weeks, but it'll be interesting to know. I think Houston has got a good chance, but I think that, these teams beating good. I, I think that is something. I think there is something to that. Although I will also say like the, you know what? I will say it because I know green Bay played a lot of scrubs coming down the stretch. Actually, they lost to the giants, which is the funniest. I um, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop myself. from going anti Packers here. Let's talk positive. I love Cleveland and Houston. I think that the, the most important thing is those teams being hot and uh, just compiling wins on their way into the playoffs. Let's talk positive. And, help us program our show on Monday because, you know, coming out of the wild card weekend or sorry, super wild card weekend brought mm-hmm. to you by, I can't remember what the sponsor is uh, this year. Um, it, coming out of them, we, we always have a bunch of, you know, periphery football fans that only watch their team throughout the year or don't watch that often. And, and they learn about a guy for the first time and they become a, household name or years ago people were like oh this Colin Kaepernick fellow really had Matthews in the spin cycle and certainly could rush and then you know he became famous for many other reasons who is the player the person on Monday that is going to be leading the football conversation at the water cooler if people still 
congregate around them. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's that name for you? You know what? I, I'm going to say, because I predicted this upset, is it's going to be C.J. Stroud. And for us who follow the sport, like you said, ardently, and we're in, you know, nobody, nobody watches Houston. Like, I, they just don't. No disrespect to the Houston fans or their franchise or anything like that. Nobody watches this game. There's a reason why every time the Texans make the playoffs, they are always the first game on Saturday. <laughs> Regard like you're that's that's your time slot. Raptors like, that fans is what, know what that's like. The, the NBA you know what I'm TV saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's the same thing. It's like it's like weekend update. You know that weekend update is coming on at midnight, and that's the thing. Like, oh, the Texans are making the playoffs. See you first thing Saturday morning. At least Saturday morning for us here on the West Coast. And I think this is going to be the first opportunity for a lot of people to see C.J. Stroud playing for the Texans. The last time they saw him was probably the big game against Michigan last season. So now they're going to look and they're going to see a guy who's very accomplished, um, just does a great job of like reading the field and is put into a great spot. And I think Bobby Slowick will be a hot offensive coordinator candidate. That actually might be the person that they talk about the most because anybody who has a coaching opening will now be talking about that. I want this Bobby Slowick guy from, from Houston. Like, it's so funny to me because I remember, you know, coming up during fantasy season when they're like, Hey, who do you like? And I'm like, oh, I love Damian Pierce. Like, I love Damian Pierce. Like, Bobby Slowick's the offensive coordinator. And people would look at me like, who? Like, Bobby Slowick. And people would act, even like people who work in the NFL, like on our show, like, who is this guy? Not Cynthia. She knows. Uh, but every day, like, who? And then so I, I tried, now I was completely wrong on the running back aspect of that. Actually, Devin Singletary was fine, but, um, but he was, the, he is going to be the name. So as much as like people will be like, oh, yeah, CJ Stroud, you've heard of him. He played for a big time school. But I'm going to change that. It's going to be Bobby Slowick. And everybody's going to be anybody who's who's rooting for a team that needs a quarterback is going to be like, yeah, that's who I want. It's going to be really interesting. I think that game and uh, the the Rams and the the um, Lions are those are the two marquee games for me. The other game, like even though the Bills are playing, like I mean they should wash the yeah. Steelers, but those should be really good football games. Uh, We're going to have plenty of time to talk about them next week. Uh, Thanks again for jumping on with us, Adam. Always appreciate it. Always love our conversation. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. There he goes. Adam Rank from the NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. Uh, We're going to take a break, but when we come back, Joe Rexroad from Robbie and Rexroad on 102.5 The Game in Nashville. He's also a senior writer and columnist for The Athletic in Nashville. Talk about the Mike Vrabel firing in Tennessee and what the heck is going on there. Also, Donovan, fresh off the presses, the all-pro voting by the players themselves through the NFLPA. The results are out. And you know what I can tell you? All players do not watch football. That and more when we come back on the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett, right here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. By the way, Donovan, the comments on this um, NFLPA All-Pro list voted on by the players. All-reasoned comments. Oh, the comments are fantastic. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. It's so good. This is the type of nonsense that we like on this show. Um, 
Speaking of nonsense, in Nashville, surrounding the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel is out as a head coach. I mean, maybe it's not nonsense. Uh, our next guest can tell us if it is nonsense. Joe Rexroad, co-host of Robbie and Rexroad on 102.5 The Game in Nashville and senior writer and columnist for The Athletic joins us here. Uh, Joe, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. So how shocked were you at the news about Mike Vrabel's dismissal yesterday? Because, I mean, I, for one, was... I, I know I read something that it was 50-50, but and then you look at the candidates that are potentially out there and the stability that Mike Vrabel brings. Like, how, how surprised were you when you heard the news? Yeah, well, I guess yesterday not shocked because it had been brewing, but when I first heard a couple of days earlier that it really was a thing, I was pretty shocked. Uh, I You know, I, I thought that, if it just was untenable, the Titans would, you know, at least try to get assets for him because he is a coveted coach in the NFL. They did make it clear it, it's it's not easy to engineer a trade, and if you do, waiting for the other team to go through the mandated interview process, then you are now, you know, waiting a long time to start getting, you know, uh, interviewing your coach. Maybe you missed out on a top candidate. So, from that perspective, I understand how the Titans explain that. But yeah, the move itself is to me, a bad move and a surprising move. And it's for context. I think there's been a lot of, sometimes fans are happy with it. Some look, they've, they've had two straight losing seasons. They have 13 and 21 the past two years. So I get it. But from an ownership perspective, a year ago, controlling owner, Amy Adams strong fired John Robinson, the general manager in season, angry enough to fire him in season because they had had some terrible drafts and the roster had gone downhill. And so when you go a year later and fire the coach who had been doing his job and had been doing more with less, when you had just acknowledged how bad the roster building had gotten, what are you saying? <laughs> that's, that's where I'm kind of at a loss here. So now the Titans are left with a GM, a GM who hasn't been a GM uh, for a year yet uh, running everything. Yeah, it, it seems like, you know, she chose between uh, favorite sons. To me, what I don't understand is w- what's the rush, like in terms of having to get it done and not try to get any sort of compensation back. Do you have an understanding on the timeline and why someone who clearly is in demand will most likely coach, given the amount of openings there are next year, why they couldn't wait and get some sort of compensation back for him? Well, so a couple aspects of that. One is head coach. One is staffing, right? So you know, essentially, so the Pitlets, the, if they were going to trade him to the Patriots, and that's been all the speculation, the Patriots have to go through an interview process that includes uh, two external minority candidates for the Rooney rule. You know, they can't just say, okay, now we're going to hire, you know, we're trained for our coach. It's our coach, you know? So they have to go through that entire process. You have to wait for them to go through that process before you can trade them. And and Brable, by the way, would have to agree. Now, I don't know if he would have or not, but that's, that's another aspect. So I do wonder if there's a particular candidate the Titans are interested in. One name that comes to mind, Bobby Slowick, Houston Texans offensive coordinator. He was with Titans GM Rand Carthon in San Francisco. They had huge success in Houston this year, of course, with, D'Amico Ryan's as head coach and C.J. Stratton quarterback, but that's just my speculation. But, you know, the idea being that if you do this and wait that whole time, 
now you're behind. I mean, these teams are already, you know, already putting in requests to interview guys like Slowick. So then you also have assistant coaches. You're going to have to build a staff. If other staffs are being built while you're waiting, now now you're also losing out on some, you know, good assistant coaches. And that's I do think that's one of the criticisms of Vrabel, by the way, is you know some of his staff decisions were not good. So so I get it, but at the same time, I'm with you. I mean really good draft compensation and i still think uh waiting is is very arguably the better move my other question in terms of maybe where we project where vrabel's next stop might be is it's not as if he just had philosophical differences with Rand carthon part of the reason why john robinson is no longer there is because they didn't necessarily see eye to eye on how the roster should be built is it an aspect of Vrabel, like someone from the Parcells Belichick tree, wanting to, you know, buy the groceries if he's going to cook the meal? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, I, as far as Robinson and Vrabel, the big one was was AJ Brown. Vrabel was adamant, like you know, he's a great player. Like we've got to figure this out. And Robinson. And Brown's agent got into it, and they were back and forth. And, and I, you know, to me, he made a, a rash, emotional decision that was the disastrous move of his tenure and is why he's not a GM anymore. You know, as far as Vrabel and power and picking the groceries, my understanding of this year is that Vrabel was very – I mean, he was involved, of course, and he got more power uh, in general, like after you know, they fired Robinson. But he was – he deferred to Rand Carthon a lot. And you look at a lot of their free agent signings. I mean, it's a lot of guys that had, you know, a couple of guys have been with Carthon in San Francisco, clearly, you know, guys that he had identified and targeted. So I don't think it's really that. I don't think it's like Vrabel's like, I must be the, you know, the soul I'm picking like Shanahan in San Francisco. I think he wants a really good GM and he wants to be a really good coach. And he and John Robinson had a great thing going for a while, you know, Three straight playoff appearances, AFC Championship game, number one seed in 2021, despite a lot of injuries. But terrible drafting, especially two straight drafts for Robinson, 20 and 21, and the roster started to go backward, especially up front. But long story short, yeah, I really I think it's more that Vrabel wants to feel like he's in a good partnership. And I don't think he and Rand Carthon had a personal issue with each other this year. But I don't think they I don't think they meshed philosophically. Joe Rexroad, co-host of Robbie and Rexroad on 102.5 The Game in Nashville, also a senior writer and columnist for The Athletic in Nashville. There's a lot to unpack there as it pertains to Vrabel. And I'm curious to to get your take on this one because from an outsider perspective, someone that has followed the league for a very long time and watching it and, you know, being a Bills fan and going up against the Titans, it was always a pain because you look at the Titans and you say, boy, that team doesn't look like it has a lot of talent, but Mike Vrabel gets the most out of it, and Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. How do you think Mike Vrabel is viewed around the league? Like, does he automatically become, like, a tier one head coaching candidate in all of these openings for you? Yeah, I don't know about for all of them, but, you know, so we, on our show this morning, we had uh, Rossini, you know, my coworker, the athletic on, and she, you know, she's, does a lot of Titan stuff over the years. And, you know, she, she was telling us that she has two teams right now that have coaches that are planning to keep them actually 
talked to her yesterday. They're like, ooh, Brable? Oh, boy. <laughs> like, maybe they'll reconsider keeping their coaches for next year. So, I think several teams will have him very high on the list. Like, you know, there's – first of all, they did lose the last two years. So, like, there's some – you know, there's more questions that arise from that and, you know, whatever exactly happened behind the scenes. I mean, if I'm an owner or a GM picking a coach, I, I want to know about that. There's also the fact that he's a defensive guy. And when it comes down to it, the NFL, it's so tilted now toward the hot shot offensive coordinator getting a head coaching job. If you are a hot shot offensive coordinator gets a head coaching job, then you're not going to lose your great offensive coordinator and have to keep hiring OCs, right? That that call plays. For example, Brable had a great offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, lost him to the Falcons and was not able to, you know, I, I did not adequately replace him with his next hire, Todd Downing. So if you have an offensive coach, you don't have that issue. You, you know, the head coach is the guru of the offense, right? So those would be the, the – but, yeah, I think Brable is going to get a job, and I think he's probably going to have his pick a job. And if I had to guess, it would be New England. I, mean, I just think that makes sense, but I think there will be other teams that are going to get heavily in the mix for him. So let's look at the Titans and what this might mean for the roster moving forward. You have on it two quarterbacks on their rookie deal and Malik Willis and Will Levis. Not sure you've seen enough from either to say, okay, that's our QB one franchise QB for the future. You're sitting at seven in the draft, but ahead of you are potentially as high as four teams who could be in the interest for a quarterback, not to mention teams obviously could trade up. What is the most pressing need for this team moving forward? And, and what do they do to solve that QB room? Yeah, well, the QB room, I mean, Levis is certainly the guy who they're going to build around. Now, is he, a, is he a franchise guy, a great quarterback? I don't know, but he, he showed enough this year to, to absolutely have them build around him. You know, Willis is... I think Willis's ceiling is a backup QB in the NFL, and I think the Titans need to go out and get a veteran backup who could win a few games for them if Levis gets hurt next year. So that's one thing. But but to your question on need, it's offensive line. This is the worst offensive line in the NFL. I, it's the worst NFL offensive line I've seen. I had to watch it week after week just get its quarterbacks hurt time and time again. It's a, It's atrocious. And a lot of that has to do with, giving Andre Dillard a uh, former first round pick in Philly, a three-year deal. And he was just awful. So they've got to fix that. Um, at seven, they may get their two left tackles in that draft, Alt and Fashano, who are both highly regarded. And like you said, it, it, maybe four quarterbacks go above their pick, in which case I think they would be able to get one of those guys. Um, but they also need more, you know, they need more receivers. I mean, they, they need a lot. The roster has really gone down. Um, but they do have uh, around $78 million in cap space. That's the second most in the NFL. And so it's going to be up to Rand Carthon to use that. I think maybe receiver, like maybe a T. Higgins, get into those sweepstakes if he does end up on the market. And then I think heavily offensive line in the draft. Um, do you think that there's a, an opportunity? Well, I mean, there could be an opportunity here for them to trade down and try and get some assets and, and, you know, really kind of rebuild this thing, maybe you add another second or third round pick because you move down, whatever, depending on how the, the quarterback situation goes in the draft. How painful do you think this rebuild is going to be? Like we don't, a lot of people don't expect Derrick Henry back, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Ryan Tannehill. These guys are moving on. 
the the Traylon Burks thing hasn't worked out as of yet. But I mean, there's still time. He's still a young player and has gone through some injury struggles. How painful do you think this rebuild gets? Yeah, it's so hard to say because, like, when John Robinson was a new GM, the Titans had gone five and twenty-seven the previous two years. They draft Jack Conklin left tackle. They sign a center. They sign DeMarco Murray. They go nine and seven the next year, and and then that starts a, a really good uh, trend for them. Let I me mean, look at the Texans. Now the Texans have been drafting high, so they've they've accumulated some talent. But but as of a year ago, they were just a complete disaster. You get a good coach in, you get a good quarterback in, you get an edge rusher, and all of a sudden, boom, they win the AFC South, and they look like the team with the best future. And that's what this league is, right? It's like, I mean, these rebuilds do not have to last long. You can, But you can go from the top to the bottom fast. You can go from the bottom to the top fast. Everybody is designed to basically be somewhere in the middle. Um, if, they make, if they have a really good offseason, they hire the right coach, hit home runs and free agency in the draft, I think they can you know, be right there for the playoffs next year. Uh, but if they don't, then you could be talking about a lot of pain over time. And then I think you're talking about more changes and just the, the, the cycle of change. When Amy Adams Strunk signed up for stability, when she gave John Robinson and Mike Vrabel these long extensions in 2022, there's a reason you want stability. And you, you've got to be able to go through some ups and downs. And to me, she just – didn't go, hasn't looked at the situation clearly, and now might be setting herself up for absolute pain over a few years. Uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting situation. It's already interesting after the uh, dismissal of Mike Vrabel. So um, nothing but entertainment in the offseason for the Tennessee Titans. Joe, thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Really appreciate it. And, uh, and en- I know the Titans aren't in it, but enjoy the weekend of football. Absolutely. We'll do that for sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Joe Rexroad, co-host of Robbie and Rexroad on 102.5 The Game in Nashville and senior writer and columnist for The Athletic. Okay, we talked about this uh, before the break here. Um, NFLPA all-pro list as voted on by the players. And Donovan, there are some names on here. Oh, boy. I know that football players do not have a lot of time to watch other teams play football. I get that. They should not be voting on their own awards then because some of the names on this list are, well, lifetime achievement awards. Okay, let's get it started. Quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Pretty good. I agree. Christian McCaffrey, running back. Kyle Juszczyk, fullback. He's like one of four. So, he, of course, he's going to win because uh, he scores the most touchdowns usually. Although, Alec Ingold in Miami. Anyway, uh, wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb and Tyreek Hill. No, no issues there, right? No. This is where it gets hairy. Tight end. It's not Sam Laporta. It's not TJ Hawkinson. It's Mr. Swift himself, Travis Kelsey. Now, why, oh, why would Travis Kelsey be on this list? You just get close to 1,000 yards, even though he missed two games. Maybe they're Swifties, or they don't want the Swift army coming after them. So this was more of a, a safety choice. How did this happen? What the Swift Army? Like, what are we worried about? Careful, thirteen-year-olds on Twitter Careful. or something. I'll call them out. The thoughts might of, get me a couple more followers. Actually, could probably use some. The thoughts this of Matt Marchese are Matt Marchese's and Matt Marchese's alone. And they, they do, do not, not represent, represent the, Donovan <laughs> Bennett, Lance Kennedy, or Rogers Communications. <laughs> Sports there, Rogers Communications. Yeah, Taylor Swift has a concert brought to you by Rogers. I just don't get it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, left tackle, Trent Williams. Trent Williams is great. 
but that's also a lifetime achievement award. Ooh, I don't know about that one. I you make make an argument. He's the most valuable person outside of uh, McCaffrey on that Niners. No, no, and I'm, I'm not, no. I'm not saying that it's not about value, but like other players, just like yeah, just give it to Trent Williams. There was no thought that went into it. What did you say to me in the break? The autocorrect just said, hey, you selected Trent Williams last year. Would you like to do it again? Well, I'm that person who I couldn't tell you what my password is for anything. Yeah, Because I'm if I can't just put my thumb down on my Apple computer and have everything, address, passwords, credit card numbers filled in, and then there's no chance. I'm not going to this website. And I think that's what you got for your all-pro selections. Wait, what did I have last year? That, that checks out. Yeah, send, done. Okay, Joel Batonio and Tyler Smith at left guard, fine. Center, Jason Kelsey, nobody in the league, the rest of the league knows another center besides Jason Kelsey at this point. That's true. Unless it's, unless it's the guy Creed, on your own team. Creed Humphrey. Yeah. There's, there's one. Um, Zach Martin, right guard, that's a lifetime achievement award. So is the right tackle, Lane Johnson. Uh, before we get out of here, though, how about interior defensive linemen, Chris Jones and Aaron Donald? Justin Matabike had 13 sacks as an interior defensive lineman. I like Aaron Donald just fine, but he didn't have a season like that. They're like, I can't remember how to spell his name. Let's just go Chris Jones, Aaron Donald. Get out of here. Yeah. The, the second guy with two first names. Never trust a guy with two first names. The other ones are whatever. It's fine. All I know is that other players should not vote on player awards because they don't watch other players. They're too busy playing their own game. Uh, we got to hustle out of here. Thanks to Lance behind the glass, Donovan across the table. We got more check down tomorrow. Stay tuned. Maybe we'll have a couple more guests on to talk about some of these teams ahead of these games because, boy, oh, boy, it's going to be fun. Talk to you then.